Pastor Kenny. No, Pastor Ken. I just said a young man, so thought I'd play around with that. Friday night is Freshwater, too. Seven o'clock at the Rogers Theater. Wanted to remind you of that. And uh, then on uh, uh, Saturday morning, we're having breakfast, Pastor. Then we'll be going to Costello's. Unless you don't want to have breakfast with us, you go to someplace else of your choosing. But <laughs> but the most of us will be going to Costello's. <laughs> and then the ladies will be meeting here at 10 o'clock. Where? No? God's Powerhouse. Okay, at 10 o'clock on Saturday. All right. Going to have what? Canning, okay. That's uncanny. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good to know that we are chosen. We're a part of God's kingdom. We've been selected. We've been picked. You know, the scriptures talk about how God knew us before we were ever born, and how he has selected us before we were ever born. And it's not like we don't have a choice because we still had to choose him. But as we choose to walk with him and then begin to walk with him, we enter into what is called the Christian race. And uh, it is not a race that just one person wins. It is a race that all can win. It is a race that all can be successful. And uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, talks about many people that are in the faith in the Old Testament that really suffered through some things. And if we were to meet them uh, today, like Enoch or like Daniel, we might, you know, at first be in awe of them until we realize that they put their sandals on just like we do, one foot at a time. They, just, they were just regular human beings that put their faith in God. And they are watching us to see how we run our race, how successful we are. Now, God wants us to always be running forward. He don't want us to be running backwards. He don't want us to get sidetracked and go chasing off after some rabbit in the spiritual sense. He wants us to stay the course and keep right on as we continue on following him. But you know, he's such a good father. And he sent Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to come and to be here for us, to help us. We can trust in the Father. And if you had any daddy issues when you were growing up, you might have a problem with that statement. But you can trust God the Father. You can trust Jesus Christ. You can trust Holy Spirit. And you can trust all of the angels that are fighting and that are on your side. Because God is for us. The scriptures say, if God be for us, who can be against us? 
He who spared not his own son, shall he not give us what we need? Amen. Provide everything for us. So let's look at this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run the race, seeing that we're surrounded by a whole bunch of folks. You know, one of the things that, that I feel that we need to get in our minds and our spirits is that we are spiritual beings. And it's so hard when we go through things in life and we have pain, we have suffering, we have uh, relationship issues, whatever we have in the, in the natural. It's so hard to realize that we are spiritual beings. But that is primarily who we are. We are spiritual beings. And the, what happens in the natural many times affects what happens in the spiritual. But more so, let's say this. God wants what is in the supernatural and the spiritual affecting our natural. He wants His Spirit to overwhelm how we think in our thought process. He wants His Spirit to to overwhelm what we feel so that we don't live by feelings. We live by walking by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is what it is. It's not, uh, you know, it's not a matter of, well, you were raised in church and so you're better than I am or, or you were saved gloriously from some great sins and so you're better than I am. It's not about any of that. It's all about faith in God. Paul said it this way. He said, by faith you're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, it's all by faith. And we walk by faith. Every day in our Christian walk is a walk by faith. If we continue to walk in this Christian life apart from faith, you know, one of the authors of the scripture says, anything that is not of faith is sin. So... I think that was James. But if we are then trying to live a Christian life not by faith, that means we're sinning. Wow. I have to stop and think about that. And I've done God off my notes completely, you know, but we're going to get back to that. But, but these were just some things that were on my heart to share, you know, that we need to encourage one another in the Lord and in our walk with God and our walk with grace. God is not expecting us to solely win. He expects us to encourage others to win also and to walk alongside because we are all on the same team. We're all on the same team. And that word team, by the way, is an interesting word because it's spelled T-E-A-M, and you know there's no I in team. <laughs> it's all about us. 
It's all about all of us working together in the kingdom of God. And God loves us and He cares about us. So the book of Hebrews was written to some Jewish Christians who decided that there was persecution of the Christians, but there wasn't persecution of the Jews. And so they decided that they were going to be thinking about returning to Judaism. And so the writer of Hebrews, who I think was Apollos, was talking to them about that and trying to get them to realize that Judaism was not better than Christianity, but Christianity was better than Judaism, and they should not make a decision based on whether or not they're going to be persecuted or not. And our thinking has to be in that way as well. Our thinking can't be along the lines of, well, I'll do this if, I, if other people don't think poorly of me. Then I'll do this. It has to be, regardless of what other people may think, I am going to do what I feel that God wants me to do because that's the right thing to do. And, and if I have that kind of thinking that I'm going to do what God wants me to do, regardless of what other people want me to do, you know, it, it's going to be okay. It, it's going to turn out all right. Because you can't go wrong when you're doing what God wants you to do. But he, he's called us to stand by him because he's never going to come out of covenant with us. He's always going to be there for us. And so he's saying, you don't have to stop serving me. And, you know, I, I think that too often times we think that Jesus was the only one that ever had to suffer. Or that the apostles in the early church were the only ones that had to suffer. But do you know that there are still, uh, the last word I heard was still a thousand people every day that give their lives for the gospel around the world? That's 365,000 people a year. That's In three years' time, that's over a million people that give their lives for the gospel. So there is persecution that is going on in the world. In the United States, we don't have persecution of that nature so much, although there is some. But we do have persecution of a mental way. You know, People persecute us by, by looking down on us or by ostracizing us, you know, by not associating with us. Uh, and, and we get timid as Christians sometimes because of that. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to be bold as lions and know that our, our faith in Him is a good thing and, and we need to do the right thing because he will, he will always stand by us, so we need to stand by Him. So the author of Hebrews redirects the people that he's addressing to Jesus to get their minds off of just walking every day in their Christian walk and being persecuted, to get their minds on Jesus and consider him. Because in, in this passage, he says, looking unto Jesus, which according to Vincent, who is a, a commentator, he says, looking away from everything which may distract looking away from everything that may distract from Jesus. 
so that if there's anything that distracts from Jesus, then takes away from Jesus, then that should not be something that we would want to focus our thoughts on and our time and our energy on if it takes away from the Lord. So focusing on Him, looking unto Him, when we come up against trials, when we come up against difficulties, that is what He wants us to do. He wants us to run to Him, to be going strongly toward Him, and not running away from Him. Because He is there for us to be our help. Now back in chapter 3 and verse 1, He uses the same word, where He says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. So in that case, instead of saying looking is translated, in, in chapter 2 it's translated consider. It's, it's being kind of the same thing, but except in this point he's saying be attentive and be thoughtful unto Jesus. Now, it's something that we need to work on to think about Jesus multiple times during the day to think about Jesus and be thankful to him for what we're going through for the day that we're having for the relationships that we have be thankful for his word be thankful in all things and allow his presence to surround us because if his presence surrounds us then we don't leave an opening for the enemy to come in and to tear us down. And we need to have the presence of the Lord. There's not a one of us that are here tonight that would dare to say that they are sufficient to fight against the enemy. Not a one of us. Because we all know that the enemy is stronger than us in our natural flesh. We know that we need the Lord to help us. But we also know this, that if Jesus does help us, then we have the advantage because he is stronger than the enemy. And so we need to consider him. When we're going through trials, when we're going through persecutions, when we're going through tribulations, consider Jesus. And consider that you are not alone in this world as far as your situation and what you're going through. And also that Jesus has been in similar situations to what we've all been in, and yet he's overcome. Scripture says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So we can know that he is our help, he is our strength. So who is Jesus? In chapter 12, verse 2, it says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Which that word author uh, in chapter 3 is, is translated captain, and it could be translated captain here. But let's consider that word author first, though, before we move on to captain. Because he is the author, he is the one that provided our salvation. Without Jesus, we would not have salvation. Because he died on the cross, and his precious blood paid for our sins. And when we call on his name, he is right there with us, right there in the room with us. And when we plead the blood of Jesus, there is a power in that. I know that when we were growing up, 
Our, our grandmother and others used to talk about pleading the blood of Jesus, and it's kind of a, uh, over the years, as anything, it's kind of loses, you know, some of its, uh, how should we say, some of its usage, maybe is the best word. But maybe it's something we need to go back to, to plead the blood of Jesus and say, hey, it's Jesus' blood that paid for us. It's Jesus' blood that paid for our salvation. It's Jesus' blood through his stripes that paid for our healing. It's Jesus' blood through the thorns on his brow that paid for our mental uh, stability. It's not senility, stability. <laughs> it's Jesus' blood that paid for it all. And we can go to him and find him to be our help. But he's the author, which also means Captain and leader. And back in chapter 2, uh, verse 10, it says this, For it was fitting for him for whom all things are and by whom all things are all things, and bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. And the captain, of course, is Jesus Christ. So let's consider the captain now. I know some of uh, you that are listening are, have been in the military, and you understand the term captain. Under the captain, there are uh, other officers. There are lieutenants and sergeants and uh, corporals, and then there are privates. But over the captain, there's the general, right, Philip? Yeah. And who's the general? Well, that would be God the Father, right? And then if Jesus is the captain of our faith, then all underneath him look unto him. In, interestingly enough, one of the greatest claims to faith that Jesus noted was a man who was a, not a Jewish man, but he was a, a centurion that came to him to get, uh, I think it was his servant healed, and he said, just, just speak the word, because I'm a man under authority. I understand authority, he was saying, and I speak, and this one goes here and does that, and I speak, and this one goes here and does that. If you'll just speak and say the word, it'll be done. And Jesus marveled. He said, I've never seen such faith like this in all of, of Israel. And so what, what Jesus was saying is that we need to be people of faith that will believe that if he says something by his authority, it's going to be done. But let's take that another step. Because in the book of John, it says, if you believe in me, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. So then, if we walk with the Lord, we believe, then we can pray, and we can speak, and we can see things done. Amen? Yes. And uh, furthermore, there is what is called the prayer of agreement. And that means that where two or three, is what the scripture says, where two or three agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Amen. So, that follows through with this idea of the captain. If I understand what the captain's goal is, what his orders are to me, then I can flow and follow through and obey his orders, and I can know that as I carry out his orders, it's going to be done, and what I say is going to be, because I'm saying the same thing he is, it's going to be law. So then when I am standing into that authority, of the captain, Jesus, that means 
I am standing in his authority also as far as spiritual warfare. That I am standing in the authority of the captain. And if I am standing in his authority, he says, stand, and having done all to stand, and he says, put on the whole armor of God and do all that you can to withstand the wiles of the enemy. He said that we are to go forth and be mighty in God, pulling down strongholds. He said that we are to go forth and make disciples. He, there's many things that we could just go on and we could be here all night quoting different scriptures about what he has told us to do. He's the captain. And if you wonder what he said, it's all in red letter in your red letter Bible. You can find it there. He's the captain he told us to go and do. And so he's the captain of our faith. And he's given us orders. And when he tells us to do something, he tells us to go with that authority. And he gives us his blessing, his stamp of approval. When we go in his name. Praise God. So consider Jesus. Consider him. And also, what he's going to do as he's the captain is, he's going to make us perfect. I know there's nobody perfect, but he's the perfecter of our faith. So if our faith seems to be wavering, let's admit it. Let's just say, okay, my faith is not what it maybe should be. Okay, Lord, help my unbelief. Isn't that what one of the people in the gospel said? Help my unbelief. And so, Lord, help my unbelief. And be honest with God. If you have an area of unbelief and say, God, I need your help. And he will help. He will perfect our faith so that then as we look back into Hebrews 11 and we see all that great hall of faith we see people that have withstood lions we see people that have uh, you know been sawn asunder it says and, and you know man there's a lot of different things in there that we could go on and on about but having faith he perfects that faith in us so that we can believe God for what he wants us to do now we must also consider this, that there is not one of us that has the same part in this kingdom as the other. We all have a different role to play. And yet we all work together in faith, believing God for what he can do. And we all encourage one another, hopefully. We encourage one another to do the work that God wants us to do because he has a great work. And I know that we've had, Pastor was counting and he said 20 or uh, 80 to 100 people, I think that he said that we had, that came through our ministry training here. But hey, more than that probably, yeah. And okay, that was in Florida. All right, but. Many people that have gotten their credentials, many people that have gone through the ministry training, but they are going to far surpass us in what they can do if they will believe God for what he can do through them. Amen. And there's no limit. There's no limit. All right, let's get back to, to this in Hebrews 3.1. I want to see what it says here. It says that... Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, 
Jesus Christ. He was the apostle because he was sent. That's the definition of apostle. Just as Pastor Kevin was, is the apostle of this ministry, he was sent by God to come up here. Jesus was sent by God the Father to come into the world. And so he was the first apostle to come into the world. And he had a sinless life. Because he had a sinless life, he's able to help us in whatever we go through. He understands. He understands what being a teenager is, Caleb. Because Jesus was a teenager at one time. He understands all the difficulties that we have with everything. Why, Philip, he understands hitting your nail with a hammer because I'm sure he did that many times when he was a carpenter. So he understands that. And, you know, he can help us in every situation that we go through. And he is able to intercede for us as our high priest. And I didn't read this passage or put it in my notes, but in chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. What is grace? When God gives us something we don't deserve. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. What's he going to give us first? That we may find grace to help mercy, obtain mercy, because mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. You know, we blew it. We made a mistake. We sinned. So when we come to him, he gives us mercy. But then, when we come boldly to his throne, we find, we find grace there to help too because then he gives us what we don't deserve. He puts us back in right standing with him. When the prodigal son came back to his father, the father didn't wait to reinstate him after the party and after he was all cleaned up. That's going to mess with your theology some maybe. But the father reinstated him, gave him, gave him a ring which had the family signet on it, which was like a credit card. He could go anywhere within the community and show that ring, and they would give him whatever he wanted. Even though he had wasted his father's inheritance, he, get, he reinstated him when he was stinky like a pig and didn't have the right clothes on. He reinstated him and put him in the right position. When the, my father said this, my dad, he said, God, don't clean the fish before he catches them. Is there anybody here that says, Cherish, do you do that? Because I know you like to catch fish. Uh, you know, nobody catch, cleans fish before they catch them. And God doesn't either. He doesn't. And so he takes us and he puts us in that right place. And then he gives us that ability to walk with him and to ask him to help us in the time of need. And whenever we, whatever we go through. And you know who doesn't want us to ask? The old enemy, he doesn't want us to ask. Because the enemy, you know what the enemy will do? When we, when we realize, Lord, I've got to cry out to you for help, the enemy says, oh, you can't cry out to God for help. You're not worthy. Why, well, remember what you did last week. Or remember what you said the other day. Or remember what you thought. You know, you're not worthy. You can't cry out to God. He won't accept you. And Jesus will accept us when we cry out to him. Because he stands there with open arms waiting for us and he's just looking for us to come back to him and to find our help in him. So let me give you some points to consider about Jesus. 
Number one, Jesus is the only one to die and rise from the dead forever. And I put that in there forever because we know that there were people in the Old Testament that rose from the dead, but they had to eventually die again. But we know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus had to die again. And this widow's son, he raised from the dead, but he had to die again. But Jesus is the only one that rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. He never had to die again. And what did he do? When he died, he went up into heaven then before he even went to the disciples. You can read it there in the Gospels. It talks about that. It says that when Mary uh, came to him and met him at the tomb, he, he said, don't hold me. I have to go to the Father, and then I'll meet the disciples. But I have to go to the Father. What do you have to go to the Father for? Hebrews spells it out. He said he had to sprinkle his blood there on the mercy seat in heaven. That's what he had to do to go and show, show the Father that what he did was righteous and, and paid for the debt of sin that we owe. Okay, so he's the only one that died and never has to die. He Again, he rose forever, and he's alive forevermore. The second thing I want you to consider is this, that no one has ever produced the body of Jesus, only his empty tomb. And it doesn't matter if you're of the Catholic persuasion or the Protestant persuasion, because in Israel there are two sites. Guess what? They're both empty. <laughs> so I don't care which way you believe. I know how I believe, but I don't care which way you believe. They're both empty. Jesus is not buried there anymore. He's alive. He's alive. Amen. And he's alive and interceding for us. The next thing I want you to consider is this. The first century eyewitnesses of Christ's resurrection were willing to submit to persecution and martyrdom and did not deny Christ's death and resurrection. Now, think about that. Because the rumor went that, they, that the chief priest spread around was the disciples came and stole the body, right? Because Why did they spread that rumor around? Because they knew that he had risen from the dead. The chief priest did. And so they said, we've got we to get a rumor out ahead of this. And so they did. And so they, they put that rumor out there that his disciples came and stole him. If that were true, if that were true, and I got that if there because I don't believe it was, but if that were true, then when, let's say James, who was the first disciple to give his life, he gave his, put his head on the chopping block, he could have said, wait a minute, Herod, don't chop my head off. I can show you where the body is. But he didn't. And we can go down through all of them all of the disciples and say the same thing. None of them changed their story. They all stayed firm to their story that Jesus Christ died and rose again and was alive forevermore. Even the historian Josephus, who is a major historian of the first century, stated in his writings that Jesus died and rose again. No one's disputing it. No one can dispute it. John chapter 14, verse 6. 
It says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He doesn't give us the option to consider that he's a good teacher. He doesn't give us the option as only a good teacher. He doesn't give us the option to say that he is an ascended master, as some religions want to say. What are they doing when they're saying that he's an ascended master? They say that there are several ascended masters in that particular cult. That's what I'll call it. It's a cult. But they, they say there are several ascended masters, and Jesus is one of them. What have they done? They have tried to lower him down to the level of Buddha and Confucius and all these other, other people. But he's not on the same level. Jesus said he is the only way to God. He is the only way to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, he said, but by me. Now, I'm sorry if that offends your sensibilities. And I'm not telling you what I believe only. That's what I believe. But I'm telling you what the Bible says. And I would rather believe what the Bible says than to believe what someone else says. Because, you know, there are 7 billion people in the world plus. And of those 7 billion people in the world, there are many of them that say, make this statement, I have my own truth. <laughs> well, according to my truth, and so they doubt the word of God and the truth of the word of God. God's word is true. It does not lie. And God's word will stand the test of time and anyone that will come against it. So what are we to do? We are to keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't allow distractions. Now, Brother Sherman... When you used to plow your field, and it, not when you before you got your GPS, not not before that and since that, but after you got your before long before that, when you were just plowing it with, I don't know if you ever used mules. My dad used mules. He was just ten years older than you, but if you had a tractor and you were plowing that field, you had to keep your eye on a tree or some landmark down on the end in order to, to plow a straight furrow, didn't you? Because if you got off somehow, your row would be crooked. I know my dad used to tell the story of he was riding along with my grandpa from town or something, and, and they were used to using mules, and grandpa said, man, that's a couple of fine-looking mules over there, and he almost went in the ditch. Because he, he was on the steering wheel. <laughs> Which is another example of keeping your eye ahead. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. And so Hebrews says we're supposed to lay aside weights and sins. Now, the verb lay aside here is in the middle voice. And what that, I like that middle voice in, in the Greek language because it, what it means is this. 
that God's not going to do it for us means we have to do it. Oh, we'd just love for God to come along and take and just make us perfectly whole, perfect Christians and just outstanding members of the church and holy and mighty and we'd just love for that to happen, wouldn't it? Well, it don't always happen. He, I mean, he changes some of us, but, but he wants us to make the effort to lay aside some things. And he's talking about laying aside the weights. Talking about anything that will weigh us down. Now, I do not believe that he's talking about uh, marital relationships. Um, Pastor Kevin and I knew of a man down in Florida who was a minister in our network, but he got to watching somebody online and then went up to their services, and they told him that his marriage was unholy because he got married before he was a Christian, and, and he, it just messed his mind up. You know, if you're married right now, you stay married, Cotton Pickett. <laughs> you should stay married. I mean, it's God's not going to tell you that that something like that. I believe that that was in error, and I think you agree with me, Pastor, that that, that was in error. And that man's ministry went down from there. And he stayed married to his wife for the kids' sake, but poor wife, man. She was really went through it then. Make a commitment, a marriage vow. It's really important. It's really something that is before God and it's holy. All right. So lay aside the weights. That's not the weight. But what is the weight then? You know, I've had, had times where, you know, and I don't get me wrong, I love to watch Cardinal baseball or listen to it and find out what the score is. But I've had times when I've been watching ball game and I felt the Lord tell me, turn it off. If the Lord tells me to turn it off, does that mean it's necessarily evil? No, it could just be a weight. It could just be maybe he was testing me to see if I was listening. Maybe he was testing me to see if I would obey. Yeah. So... Sometimes a weight, I mean, I, I think that's the reason why the author puts here weight and sin, two different things, because he, he's saying a weight is something that may not necessarily be sin. It may just be something in your life that is there, and, and you need to lay it aside. You need to let it set, lay it aside for Jesus and your walk with him. You know, like that second chocolate chip cookie. I had to go there, didn't I? Okay. The word for sin there doesn't distinguish like John does in 1 John, where 1 John chapter 2, he uses the same root word for sin, hamartia, the word that uh, Pastor Zach has talked about, missing the mark. 
in John's epistle in chapter 2, he says, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And he's talking, he uses that verb tense there that indicates a continuing on in habitual sin. And then in the second verse, he says, but if any man sin, he's writing to Christians. So Christians shouldn't live in habitual sin. But if any man sin, and there in that part, he's talking about a one time you're trying to do the right thing and you missed. You failed. If you, that happens, you ask the Lord to forgive you. You have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, but in this particular passage in Hebrews, he doesn't make any distinction. He just says any, any sin, lay it aside. So you be the judge of that. I'm not going to write a list of sins. You know, we had those when we were growing up. We had a list of sins. We didn't smoke, we didn't chew, and we didn't go with girls that do. We didn't drink. We didn't go to movies. Because what would we do if, if we were in the theater and Jesus came? We'd be lost, you know. We wouldn't go to heaven. That's the way we believed, you know. But that was a list. Now, I'm not going to give you a list. Holy Spirit is your list and the Word of God is your list. But you know. You know. And if there's any sin in your life, lay it aside. Lay it aside. Vincent says, we are exhorted to lay aside every worldly hindrance or embarrassment to our Christian character. Wow. So we're to consider then, whatever we do, what would people think if they were to see us doing that in daylight or in public or with them? What would they think? Now, uh, use this as an example. I had a, a blue pen. And I got the blue pen at the license bureau, I think, is where I got it. And it said Missouri on it. I didn't know this. I let Sister Lucia use it, and she said, well, this has got the lottery on it. I didn't realize that. I just, I just was, it was a blue pen. It matched my clothes sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I threw the thing away. Because I, I wasn't going to be a stumbling block to her because she's got her mind up. She's not going to play the lottery, but I'm not either. But I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody else. You know? I mean, there are certain things that we don't allow in our lives because they might be a hindrance to somebody else. They might be. And if they, now, if they're an older saint that's, like Grandma Neal was, and and she had her standards, and she helped to raise us by those standards, but she was probably offended by women wearing pants. I don't know, probably every woman in here's got slacks on tonight, but she was offended by women wearing slacks. It wasn't going to be an offense to her, a stumbling block to her, to make her not make heaven. And she was going to make heaven regardless. She was just that was her opinion that. And in that case, is you see what I'm saying? That's not what I'm talking about. You know, what I'm talking about is if something we do or we say or how we act will cause someone else to stumble, then that is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. We are to lay those things aside. Um, not to be an embarrassment. Not to leave any opening for any kind of bad 
an evil report of anybody. Amen. Let's go on. Furthermore, the sin may be any evil propensity, which means something that is in us that we might do, that have a tendency toward. We need to guard against that. If we have a tendency toward lying, then we need to guard against any position that would put us into a lie and guard our, guard our lips against lying. The sin of unbelief is what Vincent thinks is suggested here because of the, the Hebrews that he was writing to. They would not believe in Jesus. They would turn from their faith in Jesus. So the sin of unbelief, not believing that Jesus is the Christ, not believing that Jesus can heal, not believing that Jesus can save, not believing that Jesus can restore. Those are sins of unbelief. And we don't want to have any of that in us. Now, when someone's coming up for prayer, let's just talk about this for a minute. Someone comes up for prayer, for, for salvation, and we who are sitting in our seat, what should we do? We should pray for them. Yeah, good answer. We should pray for them and believe for them. Oh, man, I've seen them. They've gone to the altar 20 times before. I don't know if they're going to ever be saved. No, not act like that. We should pray for them. Pray for them. Because we were probably, a lot of us, in a very similar boat at one time. Uh, what if someone goes up for healing? What should we do? Yeah, We should believe God with them for healing. We should believe God with them for healing. And those of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to pray in the Spirit. Amen? I know that's when Sister Virginia prays for people, whether it's for healing or for or, uh, or, or words, she'll oftentimes pray in the Spirit because, you know, your mind don't get in the way then. <laughs> You're praying exactly what the Lord wants you to pray. And then a lot of times you can pray and, and believe God in faith. You know, and the same thing for children. Children that are lost, grandchildren that are lost, believe God for them. Believe God for their salvation. And if it, you know of someone that's got children that they're believing for or grandchildren they're believing for, believe with them. Don't say, well, I know that old cantankerous child. They're never going to be a sa saved. They're just, they're just running with the world. and they're Don't say that. You know, believe God with them for their salvation. Believe it. Amen. Remember letter E. Remember those who have already finished the race. Theirs is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. And we want to leave a testimony to the faithfulness of God too. When we get done with our life, will people be able to say, I am glad I knew them because they were a good example of the Christian walk for me. The older I get, the more I start thinking of stuff like that. You know, what will people think? And not that we want to please people, but we want to please God. But it should concern us that people are regarding us as a good Christian testimony, a good righteous example. That should be something that would be heavy on our hearts. Be patient with yourself and with others. 
That's what our, our passage here said in, in, Ro in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. With patience, run this race. So you've got to be patient with yourself. I should have been further along than I am now. Look at sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, how far along they are in Christ. Well, you're not them, and you don't know what they go through. You don't know what they deal with now, and you don't know what they've dealt with already. God is their judge, and God is your judge, and he wants you to snap out of it. Be patient with yourself. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and help, let him help you. Be patient with others. You know, be patient with them in their walk. Encourage them. Strengthen them in the Lord. Vincent says this includes both passive endurance and active persistence. Passive and active. Patience. Patience. Don't pray for patience, by the way. Because, you know, the, 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 I think it's Peter's epistle that said patience works. Uh, tribulations work patience. I'll get it right in a minute. Tribulations work patience. So don't pray for patience. You'll get tribulation. But have patience. Be patient where you are. Next point. We are eternal spiritual beings. Now, whether you're when you were a Christian, when you're a Christian, or when you were a sinner, either one, you're you're still eternal beings. It, when you're a sinner, you're eternally lost. But since you became a Christian, now you're eternally saved in Christ. And I'm not trying to get into any, you know, kind of a eternal security or anything like that. I believe we are eternally secure in Christ, and there's the key in Christ. But, but here, think about this. We are eternal spiritual beings. We are eternal spiritual beings. I'm not an eternal physical being. I know it. When I get up in the morning, I know I'm not an eternal physical being. When I fall on the ground, I know I'm not an eternal physical being. But I know that I'm an eternal spiritual being. I know that I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I know that I'm on my way to heaven. And I know that everything that I do in this life, even though I do it by my speech that I'm giving you tonight, I do it by my actions when I'm out on the street or at Walmart, whatever I, wherever I go, I'm still a spiritual being working through my physical being. Now, sometimes my physical being don't want to cooperate. So that's where sometimes you have to do what Brother Philip was talking about a while ago. You have to go through a little deliverance, praying through. You know, and get some other people to help you pray through something. To get you on the other side of it. Because God can help. That's why he gave us one another. We need to continually take on Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, 13. 
the apostles were before the Sanhedrin, and it says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. That's the key. And I'm all for training. You know, that's one of the things that I love to do. But you know what? More than that, I want you to be with Jesus. I want you people to know that you've been with Jesus. And that Jesus shines through you. And that, for instance, in the place where you work, if they're going through a difficulty, they know that they can come to you and you will agree together in prayer for them. Wherever you are, people walk up to you. They know that they can come up to you and ask you to pray for them and encourage them in their life. Do people know that we've been with Jesus? Can they tell? That doesn't mean that you necessarily had your shower today. That means that you have spent time with the Master, though. Spent time with Jesus. We cannot be like Jesus if we don't spend time with him. We have to spend time with him on a daily, daily, daily basis. Every day. Every day. Okay. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm almost finished here. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus started the work in you. He wants to complete it. He wants to, He's your biggest cheerleader in this race. He wants you to win. He wants you to cross the finish line. He wants you to bring your family and your loved ones with you. I know some of you are doing that already. And he's just really just tickles him to death that you're doing that. Because he, that's what he wants. And he is able to complete that work. Whatever he started, he is able to complete it. The enemy is a liar. And the enemy would like to tell you, you're no good. You know, like that old secular song, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Man, where in the world did that come from? That's the enemy. Right? That's the enemy. And the Lord wants to tell you, you are a redeemed child of God. You are on the right side. You are in the race. Keep pressing on and keep winning, keep winning. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, He's given us everything that we have need of. And again, I have to tell you, and if you say, well, God hasn't been speaking to me lately, then I have to tell you, What's the last time that you've picked up his word then? Because when I read his word, it speaks to me. Yeah? And his word will speak to you. And you don't have to go across the country searching for a word of the Lord. I believe in the word of the Lord too. I believe in the prophetic word. But I also believe in getting into this word. And you need to read the word of God. What's the best Bible to read? What's, what's the matter with the one you got? Oh, where, where are we? 
ever come up with this thing where we need to have the latest and the fanciest. And I enjoy new translations, don't get me wrong. But you know, when I was your age, Caleb, I started reading the King James Bible. And that's how I learned to read a lot. And how I learned to pronounce some of the names of the people in the Old Testament. <laughs> By reading the Bible. What Read what Bible you have. If you don't have one, come and see me. Come and see Pastor Kevin. You need a Bible. There's, there's a box of Bibles right back here on the table. <laughs> under the table. And, amen. There's, there's no excuse. Amen. So I want you to stand with me right now. I want you to take your running position. Oh, you, yeah, you're already not, don't have to take the starting position because I think you're already started. So you're running in this race. You're ready to go. Lord, we thank you for each one that's here tonight. We thank you for their life. We thank you, Lord, that you have called them to be a part of your kingdom and that they are running the race. Lord, strengthen them, Lord, in their spirit, I pray. Help them not to be discouraged, but help them to be encouraged in their faith and help them to go forth and be mighty in you. And Lord, keep their eyes upon you so that they will have a successful finish in their life's journey. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for each one that's here and each one that's watching by Facebook and YouTube, Lord. And we bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you need prayer,